Good morning, everybody. It is so wonderful to see you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads, to all the daddies, to all the wannabe dads, soon to be dads, spiritual fathers, those who are joining us online and our ex extensions, um, Albion and Monroe. We are so, so thankful that you are here. Listen, this is a, a Sunday for a hope offering. And I want to encourage you. We are right now $57,000 shy of $170,000 that are, we are raising for all these beautiful projects that are happening around us. And I am really thrilled. You know, every single time you choose to participate, you are adding yourself to the redemptive work of Jesus on the earth. And I want to encourage you, no matter the amount, get involved. Because when you do, it does something to the human heart. To know that your life adds to changing the big, bigger picture of God's love being manifested through provision, grace, spaces and places, opportunities. And you can give by this, through this envelope that you can drop in. We've got iPads after service, or you can give online. And then I'm excited for next week's baptismal service. We are continuing the message of going back before we go forward. It's going to be great going back to the family home and talking about that. But I'm going to be with Jeremy next week, baptizing people. You say, what do I need to do be baptized? The Bible says, if you believe, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've put your ultimate hope in Him and Him alone. That is all that is needed for you to be baptized because the Bible says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is such a precious, integral part of transforming our lives. So today, we are having this incredible group of men with us because we're going to be discussing fathering. You know, the Bible says that God revealed himself as a father. When the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Jesus started with these words, our father who art in heaven. Not our powerful God, not our strong God, not our magnificent, but a father. And the Bible says every family on earth derived its origin from the family in heaven and i want you to know what is so significant about fathering is that fathers are the very anchoring part to the foundational stone of a family that's the foundation of a community that's the foundation of a city that's the foundation of a nation and when the family unit is broken up and fathers are now diminished have no voice feel that they have no part it is such a destructive mindset but yet fathering is no joke fathering children in different stages and ages and that's why our panel is here today because you will discover that every one of them has got kids in different ages uh, we have a single dad here that is raising a daughter I call him Derek. His name's Deke, everybody. His name's Deke. 
And we're going to be hearing from them because I believe with all of my hearts, with my hearts, I've got two hearts, with all of my heart, that if we can just come alongside every man in this place and remind you that your investment as a father matters. It matters. And that you are enough for what is needed for your family. So I want you to sit back and I want you to hear these stories. And Deke, we're going to start with you. I almost called you Derek again. And Deke, we're going to start with you. Because in some significant way, you know, as a pastor, I always know we waste our time working out the whys instead of spending our energy just working out what's in front of us. You're a single dad that's raising a daughter. And a daughter is a whole different deal. So share with us, Deke, how you as a dad um, are going about that. Well, i tell you this, it takes a lot of prayer, um, at night especially, um, knowing that you had a rough day and knowing that you have to do it all over again the next day. Um, but for me, I think being a father has changed me as a person. Um, my daughter is nine years old, and having a daughter is much, much different than having a son. Um, one thing I struggle with personally is showing affection and emotion. And having a daughter, you have to have that emotion. You want them to feel that love and you know, be affectionate with you, hug you, kiss you, and tell her they love you. Um, but at times, it's, it's tough for me because as a, as a parent and then as a, as a kid myself, uh, I didn't get that type of love growing up. My mom loved me, but her love was hard work and providing, making sure you had a roof over your table, making sure that we um, ate, make sure that um, things were taken care of in the household. And at most times, the hard work wasn't, I mean, the love wasn't showed. It was kind of like tough love, right? She had five boys. I mean, can you blame her? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so for me, learning to be, you know, vulnerable to my daughter, um, opening up to her, you know, finding common things that we like, like I'm a Disney dad, I love Disney, Marvel, Avengers, the whole thing, um, the whole, you know, sequels and whatnot. So for me, you know, opening up, you know, letting her know that I can be wrong as a parent and learning to apologize in a moment and knowing that it's okay, I can make mistakes, I'm going to have mishaps. So Dick, let me ask you this question coming from a family that, and a culture of that family that expresses love in a, a birthday card, how did you, as a guy that knows a home full of brothers and a mom that is just providing, how did you step over that line to begin to man up, to show affection, hug, love, uh, I think it started with, you know, losing grandparents and, and whatnot in life, knowing that it's okay to show love and hug. And sometimes my mom will tell you, she's sitting in the audience, um, we try to hug her and she'll start crying. I'm like, why are you crying? And she's not used to it because she never showed it. So me showing it back to her shows the importance of sharing and hugging. So um, it's beautiful, right? Um, but I, like I said, I struggle with it so much and, and it's a continued struggle, daily struggle actually. Um, but knowing that I have to break the cycle um, we have to show love to our kids or the world is going to not show love to them. So, Dick, we want you to know we're proud of you as a single dad. Yeah. A whole different deal. We as a church family are proud of you. I want to go to Mark because Mark and Laura's story is quite unique. 
not only do they have three biological kids, but they adopted three kids from China. And when they came in, the one was a baby, and the others could not even speak English. Mark, how is it to father a home that you know some came from you and some came to you, but they're all yours? Yeah. Um, you know, God, I feel like um, always made me aware that I was going to be a dad. And my wife and I were married eight years before we had any kids. We had our biological kids and felt like maybe there was something more. And it was here in church during a 504 journey several years back. I felt, in, you know, I was praying and Laura was praying separately. And I felt God say to me, I need you to be a father to fatherless kids. And so Laura was praying and she felt, she heard the word adoption. Same service, you know. And um, so we started pursuing it. You know, we didn't know should it be this or that or domestic adoption, international. Um, and we felt led to international adoption through China. And um, it has been an amazing journey. Um, there are kids that are, are biological kids who look like us and who we understand physically and, and those types of things, how, how they work and who they are. Um, and then we have kids who are part of us and that we understood they just happened to be born on the other side of the world. And um, when they came to live with us, they didn't have English. And um, they were, we adopted, my, my first adoption was Judah, he was 16 months. And then we adopted Caleb and Hope, and they were seven and ten at the time. So just a completely, they had a life, you know, outside of us, and just um, trying to be sensitive to what does that mean to bring these children into the home that's their home and make them understand who they are and that they are mine and they're Falcos, you know. And um, I felt like that was what God's call, yeah. Um, it's beautiful. I think the thing primarily that I've been thinking about with this week is just helping these children, all of my children, to understand that their identity is in who God has called them to be and that their identity is as a Falco because they're mine and I need them to understand that always but because God calls me his and my identity is in him and I want to hear his voice in my ear telling me who I am and so I'm going to be the voice in my children's ear telling them who they are and that's I think so important for all of us to do. Mark, how long did it take for the universal of love to shorten the distance between the two kids that had a life outside of yours that was probably not an easy life? How Tell us just that journey of inching forward in love. It's inching. Um, sometimes it seems like, wow, that was a huge step. And sometimes it seems like, are these steps ever going to happen? Because our children were formative, their formative years in some ways were not in my home. And so I think it's, it is one day at a time. It's one decision at a time. It's one hug at a time. It's one I love you at a time. So they understand that. And um, I know God's purpose is for them to be, you know, and, and to who he has called them to be. And so it has been, um, you know, <laughs> starting with, you know, learning how to say ni in Chinese, to say I love you, and for them to understand that and um to then use Google Translate and, and the, the jokes and the hilarity that ensues because that's not always the right words. And, and um, you know, they're little and, and they'll let you know that that was hysterical what I just said. Um, but um, 
it's been an incredible, amazing journey. And, um, you know, it, side note, if anyone is interested in adoption, please come talk to my wife and I. Come talk to us. You know, adoption is, is really something. And to be a transracial family, you know, it's, it's a different world. It's a different thing. And it has its own challenges, huge rewards. But we're, we'd love to have that dialogue. So please come see us on that. Um, but just putting every day and every decision in God's hands and praying about it so beautiful now Joe you have a wide spread of children you know I said uh, to my wife the moment ice cream doesn't heal a broken heart it becomes a whole different deal to be a father because otherwise you have ha happy fat babies and it's it's good because you just heal it quick but yet you've got such a span of ages and every one of them has a different soul frequency. Share with us your journey as a father. Um, well, it's definitely been one that's been challenging. Um, I think the most challenging aspect of this season of my life is um, learning the differences on how I, how I parent my children. Um, they're all unique in their own ways. And I know last service I said my middle child is Christian. He is not, it's Brandon, so I just wanna correct that. <laughs> he's not 10 years old, he's 19. He's gonna be 19, he's sitting right over there. Um, but noticing the differences in how I, how I parent them um, is teaching me about the approach on how I approach them. Uh, my twins, even though they are twins, they are two completely different people. Um, my Levi, which is my youngest, he is self-sufficient. Um, but he's, he's, he's gentle. So I have to watch how my approach is. Um, Loren is, is, needs constant affirmation. That's my twin, that's his, that's his, uh, his sister, his twin sister. And she needs to know that she's being seen and everything. Everything is, Poppy, look at this, Poppy, look at that. And if I'm not careful, I can, I can put myself above that and just say, well, I'm too busy or I'm just this, and sometimes it could just be the simple thing. She's spoken so much encouragement into my life, I'm grateful for that. Um, Brandon is my compassionate one. He has such a largeness of heart, and you know, I see that in him, and it draws me to him because I want, him, I want that same largeness of heart. He sees the pain in someone's, um, in someone's spirit without even having to say a word, and he's there to embrace you, to lift you up with some of the simplest things. Uh, Christian, he needs more than just a father, but he also needs a friend. He needs laughter. He needs quality time. And, and there's, uh, if there's one thing that God has placed on my heart is the memories that I make with him. Him being 18 and, and going on to be 19 in this transition of his life, um, I'm noticing that those memories is what he carries along with him and what's going to be passed down to, to his children. Uh, my oldest, my 20-year-old, Aaliyah, talking about daughters, <laughs> We've had conversations, and, and it is a challenge. Um, but what she needs me to be is a listening ear. Not so much about a route of correction, but to be wholeheartedly there and open-hearted to listen to her um, and be able to sit in whatever she's in with her um, and just, uh, you know, be present. Joe, so if there are dads sitting in this place and go like, well, Man, is he a poet? Is he a psychologist? How did my kids are just all annoying in stages? How, 
how can you help giving just guidance to your journey of reading and perceiving the frequency of their souls? Um, well, I relate, I relate to all fathers out there. I get it. There's, uh, there's just some times that, you know, they hit that one little nerve in the back that makes your eye twitch. I think it's called your last nerve. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that there's, there's power in the pause. You know, Jim Falwell shared something very important with me, and he said, come home with the best of you, not the rest of you. And that oh, was so... You've got to say that again. Come home with the best of you, not the not rest, the of, rest you. of you. Not the rest of you. Um, so, Jim Fowell, if you're here, thank you very much. It, it impacted my life in such a way. Um, just a 15-minute drive home, two minutes in the driveway before I even greet my family. Um, just pausing in that moment and being thankful for the family that I have. Um, it just changes the perspective in the way that I approach my children. Because I can easily snuff out all that happiness and everything by me walking in the door. They meet me with joy. They spring into my arms. I get, I'm greeted with hugs. But if I don't take time in that pause, I'm going to come home with how stressed my day is. I'm going to completely kill the entire joy that they have in seeing me. And it's like, get away from me. I need my time. And, and so I, I've, I've learned through that, through that pause that, that I'm able to go into what they're at. Even if it's something that they're complaining about, that I can kind of sit with them and, and even approach their problems differently than something that it's an added weight. Oh, that is so good. So Eric Rogers and my kids kind of grew up together in each other's homes, in each other's lives. Eric, you have three very strong-willed, very um, ambitious, successful um, children. And you and I have had so many conversations and constantly you remind me that I shall not kill. You know what I mean? This is in, in the Bible. I'm, I'm just missing, but... It, it is so interesting, the journey of wisdom and faith that moves through seasons. Share with us some wisdom on raising children that are now flying the coop. Well, well thank you very much, Pierre. And you've had a lot to do with um, their upbringing, and I'm so appreciative of that. I'm going to answer that question a little bit differently because earlier we talked about transitioning daddy to dad to father and it was answered in a kind of holistic way but when I really thought about how I am doing that now is simply um, I am handing them some of my struggle you are handing them some of your struggle I'm handing them some of my struggle because when God blesses our lives in such a capacity we want to make sure that they didn't feel what we felt. So we tend to give them our presence instead of our presence. And when they would get in trouble older, as they're older now, the tendency was to go rescue and help. Yeah. Because, okay, you made some financially bad decisions, but God has blessed our life, so I'll take care of it. Um, I'll help you out. But God um, had to speak to, to me um, and say, let me help you, son. 
you need to hand them some of your struggle. Don't hand them everything. Because if you hand them everything, now they won't know the appreciation of what it's like to come through the journey. Oh, so good. Oh, it's so good. I, re I remember about a year and a half ago in prayer, coming up to see my wife, and, and I said, looked at her and I said, God just told me we have to parent the children differently because they're older. And she says, what do you, what, what do you say? And I said, he said, he said, change your position. Parent from your knees. Don't parent like they're still here because they're not here. They're not 16, they're not 12, they're not 15. They're not here anymore, so you have to parent them from your knees. And as we begin to do that, um, I begin to see that God now wanted them to be a partaker of my grace. Oh, so good. Scripture, that's Philippians, where he says, be a partaker. They are partakers of your grace. There was a grace of favor. There was a grace of patience. There was a grace of, of, of hope. There was a grace of prosperity. There's a grace of all those things that are in my life, your life, everybody's life in here. But as they grow, they begin to partake of that. But we'll have to make sure that they understand that I'm not going to hand you everything anymore. I'm not going to give you everything anymore. I'm going to hand you some of the struggle. So that's the season we are in in our lives. And I am so grateful for, for my wife, Dee, because she surely makes sure that that's that season we in. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, the thing that comes up, you, you've shared that with me so many times. And every time I go like, tell me where to kneel. I'll kneel right now. I, I'll repent. Because I'm the king of rescue. I will rescue a skunk out of a pool, even if I know I'm going to stink for a year. How? Because love is so overwhelmingly good that our love at times struggle to stand back to create the fire of purification, the struggle of overcoming. How can you speak to those who are sitting in the same place and say, I want to hand, hand them the struggle. It all makes sense, but I find myself jumping the fence to make them happy. You know, I, I try to live my life so much based on what God says. And, and God says, he said, if I was not a father, then I would, I would not chastise. Chastise does not mean to, to, to beat. It simply means to say, I'm going to deny you some of the things that you need to be denied for the benefit of your growth. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. And how do I know that? Because he's chastised me. Yes. And he said, if, I, if, you were without, with, if you are without chastisement, then I don't love you. Yes. So to do that showed how much I loved. Yes. To rescue shows how much I don't depend on God. Yes. And I, I needed to do that. And it took me a long time to yeah. get to that place we talked about. Yes. Yes. And now I'm transitioning into a season, which thank you very much, where you rebuked me. 
um, where I wanted to get the my, get our next home and leave and say I'm out and all this other kind of sort of thing and God I've done what you told me to do and so on and so forth. But you'd be happy to know Pierre that in prayer God told me he says you're not done. Yeah, yeah. And he said, let me talk to you, son. He said. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So now I'm sitting and saying, now wait a minute, I don't have any grandchildren. He said, you're going to do now, you're going to work for the thing you have yet to see. Oh, so good. Because so now good. you'll leave a deposit, and the deposit is more than money. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. Now, to all the, the dads in here, as I was praying for this moment, and, you know, your kids coming to a place in life where they make their decisions and they take the course of their life. So often, dads, we take a snapshot of a singular moment in time. Then we weigh ourselves against what we see to establish whether we've been good fathers. And I believe that's one of the most devastating things that we can do. Because I want to remind you that God is a perfect father. He created a perfect garden with perfect people and they chose to rebel and mess up. But yet God didn't say, Oh, so if you don't live by my rules, I'll show you what I'll do. A father's heart has always a redemptive love. And a redemptive love is one that creates a path for turning around and coming back home. The prodigal son rebelled against the father. And I think at times we have so much room for our growing up but we have so little space for our children's growing up. And we've got to realize that redemptive love never cuts them away from the island. There is something that I say to my wife, as the kids are growing closer, I've got to choose between control or proximity. And there's something strange about control, Mark. It's born out of fear. Uh, because when my kids went from daddy to dad, I stop the car, I go like, let me tell you how this is going to go. The moment you go to dad or father, that's how my wallet closes. You call me father, there's nothing for you. It's a steel iron around this thing. You call me daddy, it's open, baby. It's open, because I want to be daddy, right? But I can't be daddy forever. I'm a father. And I believe more than anything, when we realize we cannot control in order to bring conformity. Not even God does that. Not even God puts the condition of, do what I say or you're gone forever. He's a loving father that chooses proximity. He's loves, he, he says, it's my loving kindness and goodness that will follow you all the days of your life and will bring you back to the place of a changed heart and a changed mind. So dads, I want to say this. When people look at your children, it's not a sign of your fathering. Giving up on your children is a sign of your fathering. Just keep loving. Turn the lights on.
Open your arms wide. Speak grace. Let them share your suffering, which is a big thing. Hug your daughters, even if you don't know how that works. Just close your eyes and grit your teeth and hug them. Just speak life to them. Inch forward in love with your children. And there are so many beautiful books to the discover the eloquence of God's design for all of your children. Because if you don't, some of them needs so much toughness where if you show it to all the same way, you will crush the spirit of the one that even just needs a look. And I want to encourage you to know that you are more than enough. Fathers, dads, dads-to-be, you are more than enough because the more you begin to be acquainted with the love of the Father, you just manifest that same love to your children. As we are loved, so we can love. Because Scripture says, He who began a good work in us is able to bring it to full completion. And I believe that our children is in God's hands. We are just the curators for a season of having an eternal soul to love and to cherish. And then last thing, fathers, I want to say, men, love your wives more than you love anything else, not God, but in your family. Because these kids that say, I'm always going to stay with you, daddy. The moment they get cars and wallets and wings, the house is silent. I go like, now who's going to swim in the dang pool? Everything was for them. My wife and I had to realize, wait a minute, this is our holiday farm. They've got to apply for membership here. We are going to live life because we still are in love. And if we create a place of love, everybody will come back to the place of love. So fathers, live your best life. Love your family. And I'm going to ask all the dads and dads-to-be to stand with me. I would love to pray for you right now. Come on, all the dads, the grandfathers, the spiritual fathers, stand. Do you want to come here? Oh, my wife says my zipper is down. That's what she came to tell me. My zipper is down. I hope you enjoy it, the service. So funny. I cannot tell you, before I pray, I found three drummers for the church with a zipper that was open. People go like, your zipper's open. I go like, I'm so sorry. Are you a drummer? And three times they go like, yeah. And I recruited them for church three times. So maybe if you're a drummer, this was for you. <laughs> but I want to pray. Thanks, my love. Erase all the pictures that you took. Erase it. Fathers, you're important. I pray that God will erase the past where you feel you were failed. I pray He will give you the grace to rebuild the relationships, the bridges, the disappointments, that you will not say, I never received it, therefore I cannot give it. 
be first. Be first. Because nobody can give your family what you can give your family today. So, Father, I thank you for all these incredible men that are standing in front of us, in front of you, oh God. We give you the best we have, all we are, and we thank you that you deem it more than enough. Give us wisdom, courage, to not bring our rest, but our best to our families. Give us the wisdom to father our homes in a magnificent way. And may we keep the light of love on and the door wide open. For we believe that he who began a good work, as for us in our homes, we will serve the Lord.